0: i the money, with money, with money, with with money, with with money, with money, with Chapter 1 My name is Marco. I doubt we've ever met, but I'll bet you know somebody like me. Every class has a Marco. You know, the one who's the smartest, wittiest, most charming, coolest, and the best looking. That's me. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live either, or anything specific about me that might help certain people find me. Believe me, I wish I could. Anonymity has its downside. Last week, for example, I wanted to run through the halls of my school, screaming my name so everyone could hear. I wanted to hop on a cafeteria table and dance on somebody's tater tots till a hall monitor came to drag me away. I wanted to call an assembly so everyone could congratulate me. I'd gotten a date. And not just any date. A date with the most beautiful girl in our whole school if not the whole world. Marian. Not only is Marian gorgeous, with long black hair, deep dark eyes, and dimples that make me want to cry every time she smiles, she's also nearly as smart, charming, and charismatic as I am. You can see we're a perfect couple. The only flaw I can find in her is that she doesn't seem to think my jokes are very funny. That, and our taste in music. You want to know the coolest thing of all about this date? Marion asked me out. I didn't have to do a thing. We were just leaving our music appreciation class together when Marion said to me, Well, Marco, you really seem to know a lot about classical music. And, may I say, you're an unusually handsome, manly man. I want you. I want you now. Okay, that maybe is a slight exaggeration. But she definitely said the part about me knowing a lot about music. Either that or I can scam teachers like no one else around, I said. Actually, I know next to nothing about classical music. But my dad's got a huge collection of classical CDs. Sometimes he'll hawk the TV, watching documentaries about Mozart and Beethoven and other wild-eyed guys. Well... I have tickets to Symphony Hall this Sunday afternoon, Marion said. They're playing Beethoven's Third. It's my absolute favorite symphony. Do you want to come? Well, I'm more of a fan of his 33rd, I said, hoping I wouldn't pass out at her feet. Marion had just asked me out on a date. Marion gave me a quizzical look. His 33rd? I don't get it. Were you making a joke? Of course! It's a joke! Ha ha! I said, sounding only slightly hysterical. I love Beethoven's third. It's just so... I wasn't sure what to say. I'd never heard the thing before in my life. Marion looked at me eagerly, waiting for me to finish my sentence. It's just so... Beautiful? Marion suggested. Yes. I replied, that's the perfect word for it, although I was leaning toward exquisite, maybe even rapturous. Oh, yes, Marion cried. It's all those things. So will you come? Sure, I squeaked. Wonderful. Marion opened one of her notebooks and scribbled in it. She tore the sheet off and handed it to me. Here's my number. Call me and we'll make plans. Okay, I said, casually stuffing the sheet of paper into my pocket. I was going to have it framed as soon as I got home, but Marion didn't have to know that. This is going to be so much fun, Marion sighed. She smiled, and her dimples made my heart skip half a dozen beats. Then she reached out with her beautiful hand and touched me on my arm. My whole body tingled. Either I had a major crush, or the cafeteria had served tainted meat again. Talk to you, she said, walking away. "Uh Uh-huh, I grunted. Now, this sounds pretty cool, huh? I mean, what more could a guy want than to be asked on a date by the most beautiful girl in his school, right? For any normal kid, living a normal life, this would be, like... The high point of his entire existence. Unfortunately, I'm not a normal kid. And I definitely do not lead a normal life. Sure, parts of it are normal. I go to school. Do homework when I feel like it. Eat dinner with my dad. Watch TV. Play video games with my best buddy, Jake. And kick his sorry butt. But there's another part of my life that's anything but normal. In fact... It's so bizarre, so insane, so absolutely out there, that I wouldn't believe it myself if I weren't living it. You see, I'm sort of a superhero. No, not Batman, although that's a good guess with the whole very cool, handsome, billionaire Bruce Wayne thing. Not Spider-Man, either, but I do fly, stick to walls, and toss bad guys around like they're plastic action figures. Superheroes use their special powers to save the world And that's what my five friends and I are doing Saving the world Not from clowns like Lex Luthor or the Joker I wish our arch enemies were as tame as a bunch of comic book supervillains Instead, Rachel, Cassie, Tobias the Bird Boy, the Andalite Axe, and my best friend Jake and I Are battling an entire race of aliens who are trying to conquer the Earth The Yerks For your sake, I hope you've never heard of them Because almost the only people who do know about them Are the ones who've become their slaves The Yurk invasion is a secret But it's happening Believe me, it's happening The Yurks are slimy grey slugs That slip into your ear And wind themselves in and around Every crevice of your brain Once they've done this They own you Control you They've enslaved you You will become something we call a controller Someone with no free will You can't scream for help Because the yerk controls what words come out of your mouth You can't run Because the yerk controls how far and how fast your feet move And you can't resist When the yerk in your head Starts to recruit your family and friends into enslavement Because you're a slave yourself Pretty scary, huh? But maybe the scariest thing of all about this alien invasion is that you can't tell controllers from normal people. They look normal, talk normal, act normal. For all you know, your parents may be controllers. Maybe even your cute, lovable grandmother has designs on subduing the planet. So fighting this war, and it is a war, tends to make a guy kind of paranoid. You can't trust anybody. That's why I didn't tell you my name. And that's why, ever since we took a shortcut through an abandoned construction site one night, life, which I always want to find funny, has been mostly grim. It was in that construction site that we met the dying Andalite prince, Alfangor. It was there that he told us about the Yerks. It was there that he gave us the nightmarish power to become any animal whose DNA we could acquire. Our one pitiful weapon. Ever since then, I have not been able to look at another human being without suspicion. Not one. Not even Marion. And that's why, after experiencing those first few moments of joy after Marion asked me out, the suspicion began to seep into my brain. The gnawing little worm of doubt. What if she's one of them? What if sweet, perfect Marion, with those gorgeous dimples, was a controller? Sure, I might not mind being Marion's slave, but being a Yerk slave is a different story. One date, I told myself. Then, before we decide to go study, I can check her out. Chapter 2 So then what happened? Cassie asked me in study hall the day after what had come to be called the big date. Study hall was being held in the school gym this week. They'd closed our usual classroom. Something about abestos and lawsuits. So instead of studying silently for an hour, a bunch of kids were playing basketball and volleyball while the rest of us, me and Cassie included, sat on the bleachers and talked. It was a big improvement. Well, after I failed in a bold attempt to escape during intermission, we went back in and the orchestra started to play. Again. And they played. And played. And I considered yelling, fire, just to get out of the place. And when I woke up, everybody was gone, including Marion. Cassie laughed her gentle laugh. Oh, well, she said, flipping idly through a veterinary medicine magazine she'd pulled out of a folder. It sounds like it was for the best. What do you mean, it was for the best? I cried. It was a total disaster. Yes. But it doesn't sound like Marion's your type. But she's the most beautiful girl in the whole school, I replied. How could she not be my type? I gave Cassie the fisheye. Wait a minute. Did you guys watch her? We are your friends, Marco, she said apologetically. We had no choice. You guys kept her under surveillance for the last three days? Well, it was mostly Tobias and Axe since they don't have school. Anyway, she's not one of them. She never went near a... She lowered her voice to a whisper. york pool entrance. I wasn't sure how to react to that. Yurks have to return to the hidden york pool every three days. Marion was okay. Now the question was, was this good news or bad news? I'd blown my big chance. Was it better or worse that she was a normal girl? Something else bothered me. Jake had asked Cassie to tell me this, obviously. It was a good choice. Typical Jake. He knew that Rachel would just ridicule me. He knew that if he talked to me himself, it would seem like he was meddling. But Cassie had the gentle touch, the diplomatic skill to let me know, without making me mad, that they had watched my temporary girlfriend behind my back. Cassie was watching me, waiting for my reaction and I was just loading up to deliver something scathing yet not overly cruel, when a shadow fell over us. I looked up. Hey, Marco. Hey, Cassie. What's up? It was a kid my age. He was a little bit taller than I am, which, I'll admit, is how it is with most people. His warm, confident smile made you want to like him immediately. But I knew better. See... This particular likable-looking kid wasn't a kid. And his smile wasn't a smile. Eric didn't attend our school. Eric didn't attend the human race. The kid standing in front of us wasn't entirely real. What Cassie and I and everyone else was looking at was a holographic projection. Underneath the projection was an android. An android that had been walking the earth for hundreds of thousands of years. Eric and his other android friends are called Chi. They were the companions of an ancient race called the Pemalites. The Pemalites may have been the most advanced species to ever exist in the history of the universe. So advanced, they forgot all about primitive stuff like wars and worry and sadness. Unfortunately, the rest of the universe wasn't so elevated. An evil race called Howlers attacked the Pemalites and destroyed their homeworld. Some survivors fled to Earth, but before they escaped, their alien attackers infected them with a disease that eventually killed them all. The Chi, being androids, weren't affected by the disease. To honor the spirits of their former companions and creators, they infused the essence of the Pemelites into the bodies of wolves. Now you know why your dog is always in such a good mood. And since the Pemelites created the Chi in their own image, the Chi are pretty friendly themselves. In fact, they're pacifists, sworn and programmed, never to harm another soul. Still, they hate the Yurks and help us out whenever they can. "Uh Uh-oh, I said, still feeling a bit cranky over the possibility that Tobias had been watching Marion through her bedroom window, and I hadn't. Uh Uh-oh, nice welcome, Eric said, sitting down between us. Would you mind if we talk in private? I repeat, uh uh-oh. The air around us began to glow. The sounds of the gym, kids talking, the bouncing of the basketball, the squeak of sneakers on the court, disappeared. We could see everything happening in the gym, but it was as if we were looking out from inside a saran wrap bubble. I have extended my holographic projection to include the three of us, Eric explained. The Eric we were looking at now was a steel and ivory android that looked an awful lot like a dog, maybe a greyhound, standing on his hind legs. Everyone else in the gym sees and hears the three of us talking about last night's game. Well, if that's all you want to talk about, why all the secrecy? I said brightly. Eric smiled grimly, not brightly. I felt the sense of another uh uh-oh growing inside me. What is it, Eric? Cassie said. Our sources tell us the Yerks have been trying to develop a way to broadcast conjona rays using human satellite technology. Eric told us. They seem to have found some place on this planet isolated enough to allow them to erect a satellite station without interference. If they're successful, they could turn every backyard swimming pool in the world into a Yerk pool. I felt sick to my stomach. That is definitely not good. Candrona rays are what yurks consume. They're food. They absorb it when they're in the yurk pool. It's their Achilles heel. They need the rays to survive. Every three days, when yurks go down to the yurk pool, they slide out of their host's brain and take a Candrona bath. Meanwhile, most of the hosts, the ones who don't want to be slaves, scream and cry and struggle and beg to be set free. I've been to the Yerkpool; It's a bad place. We've imagined destroying the Yerkpool; It would be a huge blow to the Yerks, And we would if we could. But the place is about the size of a football stadium, with better defenses than the White House, the Pentagon, and Fort Knox put together. We just don't have the firepower. You know, Eric, I said. Nothing personal, but sometimes I'm not sure I like you. You're nothing but trouble. Eric grinned his steel and ivory dog grin. Sure you're not just cranky over blowing the big date? I shot Cassie an outraged look. She winced. Okay, so the she helped us out. It's not easy to watch someone for three days. Swell. Is there anyone anywhere who doesn't know that I crashed and burned on the big date? She wasn't your type anyway, Eric said. She had taste in music. Oh, so you're a big Beethoven fan? Eric nodded his android head. I was the maestro's valet for quite a few years. He was an awful person, but he made music my masters would have wept to hear. Chapter 3 We met after school in Cassie's barn, a.k.a. the Wildlife Rehabilitation Clinic. To discuss the situation, Cassie's parents are veterinarians. While her dad runs the clinic, her mom runs the vet staff at the gardens, an amusement park and zoo. Cassie helps out at the clinic, giving suppositories to cranky skunks and stuff. And let's face it, a wildlife clinic definitely comes in handy when we need to acquire a new morph. The get together was like opening night of the local freak show. Four kids who regularly become furballs. Eric, the ancient android. Tobias, the red-tailed hawk, keeping a lookout from the rafters. Axe, the andalite, in his human morph. Axe's human morph is a combination of DNA from me, Jake, Rachel, and Cassie. Together, we make one disturbingly beautiful person. Axe is the only andalite on Earth. In fact, he's Prince Alfangor's younger brother. Axe was in his human morph because, well... Let me put it this way. Cassie's mom and dad are about the coolest parents you'll ever find. But if they were to walk in and find their daughter shooting the breeze with a blue-furred, half-humanoid, half-deer-like creature, with a mean scorpion tail, no mouth, and four eyes, including a pair that sat on swiveling stalks atop its head, they would definitely freak. Do you know any more details? Rachel asked Eric. Rachel is your basic psycho babe. And I mean that in a nice way. She's a tall, willowy, supermodel-esque blonde. You might think she's a mall rat airhead. Until you called her an airhead. Then, after she removed your left kidney, you'd realize your mistake. Rachel's a great person to have on your side in a fight. The only problem I have with her is that she's always looking for a fight. Details? I'm afraid not, Eric replied. We've infiltrated much of the Yurk Force, but we don't have access to everything. Nothing at all about the location of the facility? Jake asked. No. Just that Visor 3 will be visiting it very soon. We do know this. We've discovered the location of the Visor's new feeding pasture. It's close enough for you to fly there in Birdmorph. A bugfighter is going to pick him up there tomorrow afternoon to go off and inspect the site. Jake got his Jake look. The sort of weary, worried expression he gets when he's faced with some decision that may result in all of us ending up dead. Jake, who is Rachel's cousin, is our sort of leader. Not because he asked to be. It's probably because he'd never asked to be. You know, he's one of those tiresomely dutiful, level-headed guys. If you met Jake, you'd understand why we turned to him. "'Call it charisma. Something about Jake commands respect. "'Not from me, of course. He's been my best friend forever. "'I was with him when he was nine and ate an entire pie on a bet "'and ended up blowing blueberries for an hour. "'Jake looked around at all of us, "'not exactly asking for a vote, but obviously wanting to hear from us. "'So, no problem, right?' Tobias said. "'We fly out to Vizzer 3's feeding place.' And when the bug fighter arrives, we hitch a ride. That appears to be our only option. Up shun shun Axe confirmed. Andalites don't have mouths, they communicate in thought speak. So whenever Axe does his human morph, he's fascinated by the sounds he makes. By the way, he's the only one who's fascinated. I held up my hand like I wanted to ask a question in class. I'm not allowed to hitchhike, especially not with evil alien parasites. My dad is very definite about that. Jake managed a brief laugh. Rachel gave me her, what are you, a moron, look. It doesn't sound like my idea of a good time either, Cassie said. But if it's true that the Yurks are building a system that will turn any body of water into a Yurk pool, we have to do everything we can to stop them. I groaned I can usually count on Cassie to be rational Okay I said I'll be there But I promised to complain the entire time Do we need to take a formal vote? Jake asked No way am I going to miss out on this Rachel said Big surprise there No, no, no votes I said Jake decides Then, if it goes bad We can all blame him I'm there Tobias said. But aren't we overlooking a key detail? What's that? Said Jake. I mean, it's not a problem for me, but you guys can't just disappear for a few days. This place could be in, I don't know, Nepal, for all we know. Nepal, I echoed. That is a bit of a problem, Jake said. Perhaps I can provide a solution, Eric said. I held up my hand again. Is it okay if I say, "Uh uh-oh, again? Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs' auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And here we are, new book. And I'd like to start this one off with an apology to Ricky, who wrote in to me, and it got sent to my spam folder, so I just saw it earlier this week uh ricky wrote in uh through my website that's theapocalypse.com the apocalypse like apocalypse but with a d in the middle um and said hey there i started listening last week and i'm about 11 books in currently on rachel's croc book i love and appreciate the work you're doing i can't freaking wait to get to the andalite chronicles thank you so much for getting this project out there and you make my work days way better Thank you so much for writing in whenever this did come in. And I'm so sorry that I only just saw it now, Ricky. Um, I'm glad you, you're you enjoying uh, the books. Um, that's all I got this week. But if you'd like to write in, you can do that through the aforementioned website. You can do that on uh, Gmail. That's at gmail.com, You can do that on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Or you can reach me on Twitter, that's at Audiomorphs, and that is where you should look if uh, I'm ever late on an episode, I'll be posting the reason there, unless I just straight up forgot that it was Thursday. Um, uh, and if you use Apple Podcasts and like to leave me a rating or review, um, I wouldn't say no to that either, sure would appreciate that, does something with the algorithm, uh, you know it, you love it, um, we, we love the algorithm here. <laughs> Um, that's all I got I can't wait to uh, use use grizzly bear noises for polar bear noises Um, that's probably there's probably polar bear noises on this right I I haven't read that far ahead but there's a polar bear on the cover so I have to assume anyway (laughs) thank you all for listening and I will see you all next week my name is Daniel I believe one day the Andalites will come until then we fight